When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 191st episode of Power Your Parenting, Moms of Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. My podcast is obviously focused on moms and teens, but today we're going to talk about the importance of a father's role in a teen's life. Today's guest talks about how his obsession with work took him away from his family and how that negatively impacted his teens and how he turned that around. Patrick Cummings is an entrepreneur, business coach, and wealth management advisor, who, after giving his all for 12 years to the corporate world, decided to start his own business so he could be closer to his young children and rebalance his life. Patrick has made a career out of being a family man, and his expertise and honest accounts of his own mistakes and triumphs would offer the perfect mentorship and encouragement to parents struggling to balance work and family. Patrick's new book, The Family Business Balancing Act, provides an inspiring guide that helps business owners gain perspective and take steps towards achieving harmony and balance in their lives so their work and their relationships can thrive. So welcome, Patrick. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, the first question I like to ask my guests is, do you have kids? And if so, what are their ages? Yeah, I have two kids. Uh, my daughter's 23. She's going to veterinary medical school at Washington State University. And my son is 26. He works for Aero McLaren IndyCar back in well, Indianapolis. Oh, that's great. Yeah, my daughter's 26. So you recently wrote a book called The Family Business Balancing Act, An Entrepreneur's Guide to Being a Family Man. So I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about the backstory of the book and why you wrote the book. Yeah, well, I lost my dad three years ago. Why I wrote the book is I was raised by a single mom. And, you know, going all the way back to when I was five, when my dad left and then my brother left, you know, the struggles early on, I didn't realize we were poor. My mom was a school teacher. But as I got into business, um, I first worked for a corporation for about 11 years. And 
I liken it to being a pawn because they would call me on Sunday or Monday and say, we're closing your sales territory. We're moving you this week and your family's going to follow. And everything for them was about how to reach their numbers. And it wasn't about, hey, we want you to be a happy person at home and raise a happy family. It was about what are you going to do to to make our corporation happy? And so I got into business after both my kids were born. I decided to get into the investment business, uh, called the broker who I had worked with. And, you know, back in the late 1990s, it was an easy road in the investment world. But I didn't realize how hard I was going to be on myself becoming self-employed. I'd always gotten a paycheck. Now I'm self-employed. And I was actually one of the worst bosses you could probably have to yourself because I worked all the time. If you were to ask my wife today, you know, back then, I'd get up before everybody and and look at the market. What needs to be doing? You know, what do I need to do in the business that day? And then at night, I would stay up till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night writing thank you cards for people that I'd done business with that day or I'd met that day. And, and it was all about trying to provide for my family and the fear that was there because my dad grew up providing for the family. And so to write the book, I, I started realizing that, you know, I almost lost my marriage when my kids were preteen, uh, almost lost my son when he was a teenager. He came out later and, you know, said he had thought about committing suicide. And I talk about that in the book, but I started thinking about how important really is the success in our business. And do we always have to have the next best month, the next best quarter, the next best year, or how can we develop a successful business that takes care of our family, but at the same time allows us the time freedom that we say we wanted when we got into business. And so that's really the where the book came from. Uh, I wouldn't have written the book when my dad was alive because a lot of that didn't, didn't really come out until the end. You know, my dad was very regretful and very remorseful when he passed about the time he spent at work and not with my brother and I. So, you know, part of it, I guess, was closure to that, too. But but I see so many young people in our business, young men and women, that say, I have to make this much money or I'm not going to be happy or I have to have these awards or I'm not going to be happy. And yet their spouse or their kids are at home wondering, you know, why isn't dad at home or mom at home? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my audience is mostly moms. Mm-hmm. So if a mom is... Married to what you call the first in and last every day, always man. Is there anything that she can say to him to get him more involved in the family? Or does he just have to come up with that on his own? Well, that's a tough question, right? Uh, Because I think there can be some tension, right? There's tension there, obviously. I think trying to get them maybe read my book would be one thing. And the reason is, is when I speak to young people about this or entrepreneurs about it, they don't even recognize it. Or maybe the mom can say, hey, let's designate one night a week where we're not going to have any phones at the dinner table. We're not going to be checking emails that we're going to be spending time just us and start there. Because if you say, oh, we're just going to make it where no phones are at the dinner table, you can't go from zero to a hundred right? So you got to make a little bit of progress. Can you dedicate some time to being at 
the concert or at the sporting event without your phone there. And I think the distraction of social media, the distraction of our phones has made this situation worse than it was before. Like when I started my business, we didn't really have cell phones. We did, but it's kind of like a bag phone. You didn't have the internet, obviously. But I think without causing a lot of conflict of just having a conversation, can we begin having some family time? Isn't interrupted with work. Yeah. So one of the things that I hear a lot from my moms is like the dad isn't really that involved. So he kind of kind of is looking at it from the top of the bleachers and making judgments Mm -hmm. and often just kind of blows in, gets angry and blows out without knowing any of the details. And so these moms are just really kind of like, I don't even know what to do about this. Right. Boy, you're speaking at me because there was a period of time where I felt as if when I came home, I was the referee. And I would walk into a house of fighting between my kids and my wife, and she parented different than I did, which was a lot of conflict between she and I. And fortunately for us, we got to a point where we're at the breaking point. My wife's a veterinarian. She would leave on, at the time, she was working out of town, and she would leave on either Friday or Saturday morning and not come home until Monday or Sunday night or Monday. And as things got worse, it was typically she'd come home on Monday because she didn't want to be in the middle of this conflict. And she left one weekend, and I was certain that she was going to come home and say, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was there. Like, in my mind, that's fine. You can have the house. You can have the retirement accounts. I'm taking the kids. That decision had been made. And it's sad to say that, but she made a phone call to the pastor of our church and said, we need help. And he called me and said, you need to be in my office tomorrow morning. and We're going to have a conversation. And from that point on, I hung a little sticky note from my garage door opener that said, pray before entering. And Mm. to make me aware that I needed to be a better person when I walked in that door. Mm. And it wasn't about I was going to change the way she's parenting because she only knew what she was taught. We say we don't want to be like our dad or we don't want to be like our mom, but we end up growing up to be similar. And my dad was very similar to Bobby Knight, the basketball coach, very volatile at times. Things were his way or the highway. And for me, I had to make the decision that I wasn't going to walk into the house and yell. I wasn't going to walk into the house and slam the door. But I recall, it's embarrassing to say, I recall times when I would say, I am working so hard to produce the the income that I'm producing and no one's happy. What is going on? And I was blaming them and I had to start owning that myself and I had to be open to owning it. And And I think that's the challenge today is being able to have a conversation. My wife and I now are in a place where we can say, Hey, there's some stuff that I need to talk about. You know, let me know when you're going to be open to that or we can have that. We still have disagreements. And there's times that she says, I love you, but I don't like you. Um, (laughs) But I think from my perspective, it took an outside person to say, Pat, what are you doing? And you can only change you. 
And I became embarrassed of who I was. And uh, so making that change every day, just being aware of it. So how did you and your wife become more of a team? Well, it was a work in progress. Going through counseling, she thought I was going to leave. I had never threatened to leave. I'd never had an affair. I'd never threatened to have an affair. We really didn't fight. We just didn't see eye to eye on how we were raising our kids. And we made the decision that we were going to go to lunch one day a week, every week. And my wife is on my calendar for Thursdays. And if we, for some reason, I'm out of town or she's working or whatever happens in that day doesn't work, we reschedule. Like tonight, we're going to dinner for Thursday because I have to be out of town. But we started doing that. My wife has a really difficult time verbalizing her feelings or writing down just a couple of things, not hitting me with a shotgun, but write down a couple of things that she would like me to work on. And neither one of us in the beginning were allowed to bring our phone. And, you know, you go to a restaurant and how many times you see everybody's there sitting on their device, right? But we started doing that and, and she needed to understand that she couldn't bring a laundry list. She just needed to bring a couple of things that she would want me to begin working on. And then we actually had the kids do the same thing. And mm -hmm. it's interesting to look through the lens of your children. And for both parties, right? And my kids have asked multiple times, how come you and mom stayed married? Because they saw, I mean, kids aren't stupid. They saw early on that, that there was not a lot of affection. There was not a lot of love in our house. And um, that's not the way I wanted it, but it's just the way it was. But begin having them say, hey, you know, if I could have a wonderful weekend, what would it be? Well, dad would take us and we would go to a movie or, or we would go to something we wanted to do, making the conscious effort that I wanted that to happen. Yeah. So I know you had a difficult time with your teens, but you also said what helped is that you broke some traditional rules. Breaking traditions. Yeah, yeah. breaking traditions. Breaking traditions. Yeah. So not when I was a teen, I didn't break traditions. But I broke traditions <laughs> in that, you know, from, from the standpoint that, for us. My grandfather worked six days a week, 16 hours a day. My dad worked six days a week, 16 hours a day. He'd come home and the newspaper was in his face. And if he got upset, he just left. So that's what I was taught. Okay, gotcha. And my wife was taught that children should be seen and not heard and preferably not seen. That's what she was taught. And so breaking from those things of things get really difficult in our society today. Most people just quit, you know, not quitting is tough. And so breaking those traditions of my dad getting in the car and just driving away. Gotcha. Um, or breaking the tradition. I have friends who go to the bar that that's their escape from everything there. And we made a conscious effort to break those traditions of, you know, we're not going to do that. We are not going to be a silent household. We're going to have conversations. We're going to talk about our feelings. When I was raised by my dad, I was, you know, my emotions are on my sleeve. And he would punish me sometimes for being soft. I tried to make me into a harder man, showing my kids that I am, I have feelings too, right? Like breaking that tradition of the, 
you're the breadwinner all the time. Uh, you can't show people that you're weak. You can't cry. My kids have seen me in tears a lot. And the other part of it is I apologize a lot and not just apologize, but follow up on it. You know, you can make unkept promises. You can make apologies and then continue to do the same thing over and over again. But breaking from those traditions, you know, the typical, I hate to say it, but men in business typically, you know, they're climbing that proverbial ladder. And for me, I began telling my family they were more important than that big client. They were more important than that meeting that somebody asked me if I could meet with them on Saturday and I already had plans. There were so many times growing up that my dad's work or somebody needed help and my dad would drop the time that was with my brother and I. We'd go along, but we had to go help somebody else. And so breaking the traditions of, of that, I think, was has made a big impact in my life. And I'm sure on your kids and your wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my wife knows I'm not leaving. You talk about the power of a father. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. The importance of a father in a child's life. And uh, yeah, so going back early on with my daughter, I would see some of her friends and some of the things they would do. And I did not want my daughter at the age of 10, 12, 14 years of age out running with her friends who were doing everything they could to get the attention of older boys or men. And I began to see there was kind of a common theme that the, that the dads that weren't involved with those girls, those girls acted differently. And what became very worrisome to me is what they were out doing. And my daughter would share with me some of the things that these that these girls were out doing. We had a very open relationship early on. And I made it to where I was the barbecue dad. I mean, uh, people would come to our house because I wanted to know where my kids were. I didn't want them to be at somebody else's house and I didn't know what was going on. But if you look at the statistics of young girls who are brought up in a family without an active father figure in their life, it's very tragic what happens. And the promiscuity, the sex at an adolescent age and, and young moms and searching out for the acceptance of a male figure, it happens. And without a father figure involved, you know, the outcome can be tragic. The same thing holds true with a boy. And if there's not a strong father figure in the kid's life, um, how do they grow up to respect men? How do they grow up to respect women? You know, when I was growing up, I saw my dad every other weekend for about a day and a half. And if he would try and discipline me, I just tell him I wouldn't come back anymore. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was playing my folks, right? I would live with whoever's going to play me the, the least. That was not a way to develop respect for my father, right? And so having a father figure that's active in somebody's life is really, really important and, and being involved in what your kids love. My daughter loved horses. My son loved anything with wheels and a motor. She's now going to vet school. My son now works in the Indy race car world. Taking those times, I'm not a mechanic. I have a degree in economics. 
buy engines and tearing them apart, see how they work. And my son laughs at me now about how bad of a mechanic I am. But but doing those things, being active with your kids. And what's neat to me today is that my kids will tell me that their friends love loved coming to our house just because of, you know, I was involved in what they were doing and I would joke around and, you know, just try and be a good influence. So how were you involved with your daughter's horses? Yeah. So uh, in my book, I talk about going to horse shows and I liken it to watching paint dry. (laughs) Um, You sit in the bleachers or you're out helping groom the horse and it's an all day ordeal for your daughter or your son, whoever's the one that's horsing around, they'll go out and they'll compete for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And and there was a tremendous amount of work involved in taking care of horses. But my daughter, that was her, that was her love. Like that's what got her through school. And did I love it? Absolutely not. I like going on horseback rides. Don't get me wrong, but I was not a fan of, breaking the ice out of the water troughs in the winter time mm, so that yeah. the horses had water to drink right and and as i'm saying that right now it's snowing but you know going to horse shows and going to the lacrosse meets for my son my wife and i oftentimes would alternate on who was going to go do what and yeah. there was a group of guys that i would go with dads and we would go to these horse shows and we would joke about well you know we're gonna watch the paint dry today but you know, and my daughter would bring me coffee because she knew I was taking a nap at the pickup or whatever. It was a fun time. It was a challenging time, but it was a fun time. You and know, meant the world it, to your daughter. Meant the world to her. I mean, she was so excited for me to go to horseback riding lessons. Hey, my dad's on a horse and she'd take pictures. You don't want to be there bored out of your mind looking at your phone. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's great. They're doing that. So. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a dad, and I think he gets a gold star because he would watch the Kardashians with his daughter. Uh. <laughs> and that's what he would say. But he would sit next to her, and oh my gosh, he gets a gold star. You know, but you have to do those things with your kids. You know, it's taking the time to do that stuff. And yeah. you only have your kids for so long. You know, a daughter, we talked about that, but if you've not made that connection, by the time she's 11, 12 years old, it's going to be a really, really difficult time. Yeah. No, I agree. I, th- I think the relationship between a father and daughter is super important, super powerful. Mm-hmm. And not just as a disciplinarian, right. but also not just as fun dad. Right. So what I see sometimes with parents, especially parents who are separated, is that one parent is Disney dad or Disney mom, and then the other parent is kind of the more strict one. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, how did you and your wife share the discipline? Yeah, that was the bone of contention between us, right? Finally had to come to an agreement that when one is set the rule, even if you don't like it, but if you set the rule that you both follow through. My daughter was not allowed to talk back to her mom. And my daughter would not talk back to me, but she would talk back to her mom. Sitting down with your spouse, talking through how are you going to discipline your your children is really, really critical. And we ended up with a counselor. And, And the reason I talk about this is 
being so important is this is one of the reasons my son almost took his life is that he had auditory processing disorder. We didn't even know what that was. He didn't know he had it, but he was struggling really bad in school. My wife's a perfectionist, which I always ask her, why'd you marry me? Cause I'm a B. Um, <laughs> my goal was to get a B in college and, um, and work. And I did, but she was really, really hard on the kids about their schoolwork and performance there. And our son would tell us things that just didn't make sense. And we didn't know what was going on. So we went to a counselor and he finally encouraged us to get his hearing tested. And I don't know if you know what auditory processing is, Mm -hmm. but if he was sitting in a classroom and there was a discussion behind him and the teacher was in the front giving directions, he would take all those conversations, blend them together. And he had no idea what to do. We got to the point where we didn't think he was going to even come close to graduating. And he was in ninth grade when we figured it out. And we had been disciplining him on not getting the schoolwork done the way that it needed to be done. And unfortunately, I mean, we were taking things away from him. He'd be grounded. And when we found that out, it was heartbreaking. It was just devastating to know that we had almost pushed him that far when it was a somewhat of a disability or a learning deficit, right? I think to some degree, you need to be a little careful because if there's something that's just continuing to, to transpire, seek some help because you don't want to go down that same path we did. Well, I've been a marriage and family therapist for 28 years, so I see lots of couples. I do strongly encourage parents to get some counseling around that because the teens love to split parents. Yep. And there's such high stress. It's so easy to point the fingers at dad or point the fingers at mom or point the fingers at somebody. And just for parents to go to therapy, go to a neutral place, that they really are a lot closer in terms of what's important than different I think therapy can be a great place to come up with strategies of parenting so that someone's not all good, the all good parent or Disney parent, and someone's not all the harsh parent. Because really truthfully, like you just said, our kids need both mom and dad to be nurturing and they both need mom and dad to be strong and set those guidelines and rules. Yeah. Way too often, I think, The parents just blame each other when it's just teens are difficult. Mm -hmm. Teens are difficult and they're going to be difficult. And if they know they can get away with something, they're going to. Yeah, of course. The thing I ask people, what kind of person do you want your child to be? And are you modeling that? Mm -hmm. And if you're not modeling it, how come? But Mm -hmm. if if that's who you're trying to raise or what you're trying to raise... I was fortunate that my parents didn't fight, at least in front of me. You know, holidays were the worst for us because we would try and figure out who's going to have who. But my parents did a pretty good job at communicating. And, you know, one didn't play the other one. But boy, you see that a lot, I'm sure, in your career. Yeah. So you talk about keeping your stresses separate. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? How do you keep your like work stress separate from bringing it home? Well, I think everybody is different, but they have to figure out what can they do to relieve that stress. And there's days where I'll leave the office and I'll go for a couple of mile walk or, you know, go work out or maybe I need to go for a drive. And there are times where you just have to download what happened during the day. I work in the 
know, the financial industry and we may be having a death claim to deal with that's very tragic. And right now with the markets being a little topsy-turvy, people really upset and trying not to take that home. Again, I think it goes back to pray before entering. I mean, I still think about that today when I drive up to the door. What am I walking in with? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to put that baggage on my family, but sometimes you have to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And so having a friend, I think having somebody that is uh, number one will listen to you. Mm-hmm. And it's not, they're not just a, you know, I'm only going to call you when things are bad type of a deal, but having people that can listen to you, finding an outlet that's not damaging, an outlet damaging could be the bars, could be, you know, any number of things, but doing something that's going to make your health better, but take some of that stress away. And it's amazing for me to go for a 20 minute walk, a brisk walk, what that does for me. And then sometimes I'll just tell my wife, I had a brutal day. I just Mm -hmm. need to decompress. Mm -hmm. I think Um, that's great. And she'll sit next to me doing solitaire and, you know, we just, maybe we just don't talk, but knowing what's going on versus just being silent because then there's always the wonder. Yeah, no, those are all good suggestions. So how do you make the most of your time? Calendar. So everything has got to be on my calendar because if it doesn't, work will expand to eat up the available time. And like Thursdays with my wife, making sure that that's on the calendar. And, you know, what are the priorities that need to be done? And I saw this video one time of a gentleman who had a, a big jar and he put these big rocks in the jar and asked the class, you know, is the jar full? And people would say yes. And they put pebbles in it. Is it full? Yes. And they put sand. Yes, it's full. And then finally forming water. And finally it's full. But if you reverse that process and put water or sand in first, you never get the rocks in. So I think prioritizing in our lives, what do we need to accomplish you know, by the end of the day or by the end of the week or by the end of the month. So many times in business, that focus is just business, right? What do I have to accomplish so that this month has been successful? And I would encourage people to add their family into that calendar, Mm -hmm. add their family into those priorities, because if we get it all, Mm -hmm. if you do all that stuff, and at the end of the day, your family doesn't respect you, it doesn't like you isn't even around, what have you got? And so making sure that when you're setting goals, if you're a goals-driven person, that you do some goals for family. Yeah. Yeah. And what I tell moms is a lot of times they'll have their family in their calendar and they'll have their work in their calendar, but they don't have themselves in the calendar or their own mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. needs. And I think I call mm-hmm. that scheduling your little treasures mm-hmm. and – that on a Sunday, I call it Sunday startup, that you look at your calendar and make sure that you have something in your calendar that you look forward to. Exactly. Because exactly. you are creating your own week. Right. Yeah. Right. And not letting work or family make you a slave, but that you're actually intentionally creating a week that's good for your work and your family and for yourself. Yeah, right. So do you have any last advice for the moms listening? Inch by inch, life's a cinch, they say. Uh, sure doesn't feel like it. But I would say make just make progress. Life is about making progress. If, if you expect perfection, we never can get there. 
again, I have a soft spot in my heart for single moms because I was raised by a single mom. Find, seek out some help too, because there's help out there. You're not alone. And, you know, the neat thing is, is that you have the opportunity to change that course through your kid's eyes. And some of my most successful clients that I have today were raised by single moms that, that had literally nothing. They lived in a family's basement, incredibly successful because of the nurturing and because of the encouragement of mom. And so, you know, you've got a huge job ahead of you. I'd encourage you to just make simple steps of progress. You know, you continue to do that, you communicate and you find somebody out there that you can rely on, I think is really important. Well, thank you so much. So how could, if moms want to reach out to you, how can they find you on social media and where can they find your book? Yeah, so uh, they can find my book on Amazon, The Family Business Balancing Act on Amazon and PNP Strategies, Progress Not Perfection Strategies at Outlook uh, or pnpstrategies.com. They can see the website. Uh, We post a lot of these videos. I post videos weekly about my book, different sections in the book. They can find it any of those means. I'm on social media too, but LinkedIn and and Facebook under PNP Strategies, not under Patrick Cummings. All right. Well, thank you so much for for your time. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting, Miles of Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.